Well, you've seen the t-shirts. We started previewing them last week. We've got them here. Everything right now, where in the next seven weeks, we're going to be chewing on this concept. We're going to be all over it. This, this thing that we love San Angelo. That our heart is for San Angelo. That we care about the people of San Angelo. That God loves the people that we run into, bump into, honk at in the in line that, that make us pull our hair out and the people we wish we could know better. All of them. God loves all of them. And he wants to express his love through you and I. And so what we're going to do and we're going to get serious about this is say, oh God, here I am. Use me. And, and with, with what you've got to work with. God, I'm trusting that you're that awesome that you can do something great with this. Not because this is awesome, but because you're awesome. And so, that honestly, that's one of the biggest steps of faith you could do is be real honest with yourself, understand who you really are, and go, wow, God, you're so big and wonderful. You can still, you can still minister and, and show your love and your heart <clears throat> to others through me. If you've got your uh, notes open, we are going to be... Uh, cruising through this but this first concept and we're gonna i want this just to get just burned on the inside of us you matter you you matter not just us as a collective group celebration church matters you matter the only reason celebration church matters is because you matter is because we collectively, all of these individual pieces that God so loved that he gave his one and only son for, have connected together at this place we call Celebration Church. And, and God has a plan and an assignment for us as a body and you as an individual. And we are going to just be getting into that. But why? Because you matter. See, the truth is, is God loves you. And he has told the whole world to love you too. God loves you so much, he's told the whole world to love you. Everybody on the face of the planet is under a God-given assignment to love you. Everybody. Everybody. We're all going to stand before God and answer how we treated Larry Lane. We are. We are. And, and Big Al. And everybody else in this room. God cares about you that much. But guess what? Guess what? And that's a cool thing to think about. That's a cool thing to mull over. You know what? But it's, it, goes, it goes not just to you. That assignment, that mandate is to go through you. Because God loves others. And he has told you. You're under a, a, a mandate. To love others. This is something we can't hide from. We can't slurk away from. Ultimately all our frustrations. Our spirit stuff is going to come down to two things. Are we loving God and are we loving others? Is it, how is that being expressed? Our growth, our growth lids are going to be challenged by those places. Are you still growing with God if you feel like you've hit a lid? I'm telling you one of those two places. Loving God or loving others is where God is challenging you. And say hey we, this is where we've got to go. It comes in in different places of, of forgiveness. It comes on different places of just outright service. It comes on different fronts. But it's all going to be boiled back down to those places. We can't, we can't ditch them. We can't hide from them. We can't dodge that bullet from God. It is, infects every area we do. Because ultimately we're, 
we're going to fall in a one of two groups of people on this planet when it comes to dealing with each other. Now, I've told this story before, but I don't have a story that explains it any better. But whenever I was about 11 years old, um, my, me and my neighbors, there was two boys and a girl. And uh, we were building a, um, and jumping our bikes, you know, have, building a little ramp, little, little short ramps, and jumping our bikes. Well, uh, we had the board, and but we didn't have anything good and sturdy. We tried propping it up on like a two by six or two by eight type deal, and it would fall over, and everything just wasn't working quite right. And so somebody decided that we looked at my friend's little sister, and we thought, hmm, she's about the right thickness. Um, we'll use her to prop up the ramp. So we were what we thought was pretty sweet, and we went and got my front door mat and their front door mat. We laid one mat on the in the alley so she wouldn't lay on the caliche. And we put the other doormat on her so that the wood wouldn't be touching her. And we laid that on her. And then we got a good running start, and we whoosh. We jumped our bikes off of poor Shelly. <laughs> and uh, and she, she did it. She tolerated it. She wanted to be a part enough that she was willing to be the ramp. But there in that alley, in that little snapshot of my sad piece of my life, <laughs> embarrassing piece of my life, there was exhibited, we're either going to be one of two types of people. We're either going to look at people and see how can they elevate us in life. How can they get us higher? How can they take us to the next level? Or we're going to be the type of people that says, look, we're willing to lay down and we're willing to help elevate others. There's one, we're going to be one of those two types of people. As a church, we, I Heart San Angelo is saying, you know what? We want to be the type that says we want to be the type that lifts others up. And we're willing to lay down and take the lowest of servant roles, if that's what God asks of us, to help lift others up. We want to be that. The world would default us. Our natural selfish instincts would default us into saying, hmm, that person looks like they could lift me up pretty good. Hmm, that person would make a good, nice ramp for my career. That person would make a little good ramp in this area of my life. And we say, no, we want to look at others and say, oh, how can I help? How can, how can I help him? How can I help them? That's what this is about, is about serving. That is what this has to be. Our central heart burst right here on our t-shirts. is going around with us everywhere. We proclaim this, Galatians 5. <clears throat> you, my brothers. And I love it that Paul puts this in here. We're a grace church. We talk about it. This thing isn't about trying to serve God to get him to notice us. It's a whole, it's a complete focus on love to God. And he reminds, you, my brothers, were called to be free. We're called to be free. He reminds us again of the freedom we have in Christ. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. You know what? In Christ, we have that. It's crazy. We have that kind of freedom in Christ. We're his kids and he is ours. And people could take that freedom and just spend it selfishly. We could. We talked about that with the, with the prodigal son. That he wasted the love of the father, but the father never quit considering him son. Never quit it. Never quit it. He didn't have to fill out an application or, or any of those things to become a son again. He was always a son, but he squandered it. He squandered it. 
Let's not do that. Instead, let's serve one another in love. Love The <clears throat> entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, initially I was writing the questions for this week, because I write the questions and stuff and lay out everything that they're going to talk about two theaters down with the kids' church. And so, and, um, so I was writing out the question, and I wanted them to think about, what would the world look like if everybody cared more about others than they cared about themselves? And I said, just think about that. How incredible that if everybody went around caring more about others, that, that, that's, that's ultimately where God's taken us. But I threw something in there, and, and God called me on it. He didn't, that, he, that God doesn't ask of us. Remember, my phrase was that if, we, if everybody cared about others more than they cared about themselves. God doesn't ask that of us. He doesn't ask us to care about others more than we... He says, just care about others as much as you care about yourself. I'm not asking you to go somewhere you can't even go here. He says, I'm just asking you to just... The, the care you'd give yourself, give to somebody else. The thing you already instinctively do, shift that instinct to other people. That he that is where this focus is. See, Ephesians 1 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And if you're any kind of theologian, this predestined word is so sticky and so messy. And so I love the way I think the message translation gets to the heart of what Paul is talking about here. Long before he laid down the foundations of the earth, before our clock started ticking, before the earth started spinning and the sun's doing all of its stuff and our solar calendar's all rocking and rolling, before any of that happens, before time as we know it begins, before any of that gets going, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? He's planning out the universe and he's already decided to love you. He is mapping out all of creation and he's already chosen to love you. And the person you're having the hardest time loving right now. He chose to love them too. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. What pleasure he took in planning this. Do I, any of y'all have any of y'all ever had a vacation that it was more fun to plan than it was to go on? But most vacations, most vacations, it's about the same. You know, isn't that cool that, that, that giddiness and that excitement when you go, you go, okay, well, we're, let, where are we going to go? Um, we're going to go to the islands. Oh, wait, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, this giddiness and this fun, and you get online, and you look, and you're building your, your plan, and it's just, it's just exciting. It's just fun. There's, there's enjoyment found in that, in that and in and of itself. And then you go and experience it and do it, and you hope it lives up to the hype that you built yourself up to and that it's as awesome as you think it's going to be. God was giddy thinking about his plan for you, for creating you, all of that, that same thing when God thought about us, he was just so, so excited. He took great pleasure in it. 
See, in God's master plan, you were created to make the world a better place. You were created to make the world better. You're not rounding it down. You're not bringing the world average down a few decimal points here. Sometimes in life, do you ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? I think sometimes we get honest. We feel like, you know what? Uh, or at least maybe you, know, you don't look at the whole world and sometimes you look and go, well, maybe I'm rounding my family down. Or those people that I have direct influence down. God actually created us. He created us because he thought it was going to add. That it was going to add quality, add betterness. Now we're like, well, well wait a second. I've, I've created some pain in my life. I know I've made some dumb decisions and I've created some pain. Well, that gets into a whole other place of our choices. And we've talked about that a ton. That he said before, it's life and death, blessing and cursing, and we have to choose. But God's plan, God's desire, when we yield ourselves to him, when we get in that sweet spot and we really trust him and let him be boss in our lives, this, this thing of being better, it just creates, it just goes. It just absolutely goes. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now remember, we looked at our Galatians passage, and he talks about freedom and then brings up our assignment to love each other, what we need to do. But he talks about freedom first. Here we can get it again in Ephesians. He talks about our freedom. He talks about the grace. He talks about that this is not in and of ourselves. And now we're going to get in verse 10. So remember, we have to keep our paradigm right. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like we talk about grace all the time. Where does where does where does works? Do we not supposed to do anything? Are we just supposed to sit back and just kick back and let God just pour out His love on us? Do we just do nothing but just like a like an old lazy dog? You know, let his tummy be stroked and feel good about life and get little treats from heaven and sit around and do do nothing? No, no, no. That's a warped thought of grace. That is a messed up view of grace. That's not what this is. God has connected us and he has brought us into himself. And now is God that? Is God? Do we have that view of God that he's just kicked back doing nothing? Is God's acts of goodness? Is he trying to make himself look better? No. He's doing it. God does great things because he's great. That's why God does great things, because He's great. So now that we have been engrafted into Christ, that we are a part, we're new creations in Christ Jesus, then then our lives should naturally reflect that goodness that is now alive in us because of who we are in Christ. That in Him, we're God's workmanship. He's working on us and so that we can have do good works as well. These things that he prepared in advance for us to do. When he was thinking about you and thinking about how he wanted you to be a recipient of his love, he also had these pieces in mind, these things. And this is where we can so get skewed in our lives. 
that we're like, okay, God, I appreciate all you're doing for me, but I just don't, I don't, I just don't want to serve that way. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to forgive like that. I, I don't want to be an extension of your grace like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't think they deserve it. I get all into this mess. When really, when we just relax and let him express his heart through us, it is our, <clears throat> I was all wrapped up in this concept whenever I was in college, that we was a uh, great guy that really inspired us, and, and he talked about, and this word destiny was used a whole lot. So, man, of course, you're, you're 19, 20, 21 years old. You know, you're, you feel like you're, you know, your whole life is before you, and you're like, ah, oh, yes. And then all of a sudden, this weight, this heaviness began to get on me. I'd think about my future, and it would not be exciting. It would be heavy, and, and I was like, what is this deal? And I started feeling responsible to fulfill my destiny you can almost hear you know the uh yeah never mind there you go something like that uh but it, it was just this weight this bigness to it and i would get stressed about it and i was praying to god about it that i was you know that this was this was upsetting me and it was bothering me and uh i was like you know that i just need to chill that my destiny well, that, that was simply the life and the impact and the ministry that I was going to have as I simply followed him. I couldn't fabricate it. I couldn't do it. I can't make it happen on my own. I guarantee you back then I didn't see this. I didn't know I'd be here. I didn't know I'd be doing this. It's just as I just begin to keep that heart of yes open to God it just keeps it rolling Ephesians 4 goes on to say it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers and you're like whoo so glad God made those people to do all the heavy lifting whoo go pastor evangelists out there apostles out there y'all go do it so excited about y'all oh, oh let's keep reading to prepare God's people for works of service. To prepare God's people for works of service. Uh-oh. I think that means you. That's you. My job, my main job, is to help build you up and connect you and equip you so you can do the things God's called you to do. That's my number one job. Right here, Ephesians shows us. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Until we become mature. You know what? One of the things that's going to help me mature is you stepping into the God-ordained role that God has for you. You doing what it's called to do, it will it'll build me up. It builds the whole body up. This is this beautiful thing. Like the heart pumping and sending the blood over there and, and nourishing the, the lungs and then the lungs giving the, the, the blood, the oxygen it needs and just everything is just sharing and helping and that's what happens. That's why we're called the body. That's why the Bible over and over talks about this. Because I tell you what, we all need each other. Just a couple of weeks ago, my mom was here and um, her, her knee was hurting real bad. And um, there was, uh, it was the Lawhones. You got me in trouble. Wonderful Lawhones. 
that uh, my mom was talking about her. She was here on Sunday morning. She was talking about her knee hurting. And one of them said, uh, well, has anybody laid hands on you and prayed? And my mom, who's been at my house all weekend, uh, said, no. And uh, she didn't throw me under the bus. She didn't say, no, my pastor's son has completely ignored ministering to his mother. She didn't do any of that. You can put the pieces together, though. And uh, so they pray for my they pray for my mom, and my mom is sitting there and t- just sharing how sweet the Lahones were that they noticed and they prayed and they asked her if she wanted prayer, and and we're sharing this in our living room that Sunday after church. And my mom had mentioned that no nobody prayed for her. And Carson, he's like, Dad, you did not pray for your own mother. And I just had to hang my head and go, I didn't. I didn't. He encouraged me. He reminded me. He he provoked me back to good works. That is what we do with each other. We stir each other up. We're helping each other grow into mature. See, this betterness happens when we allow Christ on the inside to shine. This isn't a big heavy thing. We can talk about that all of a sudden we begin to wait. We're supposed to love our city and, 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 and reach out to these people and, and be kind to all these people that sometimes aren't kind to us at all. And man, it all of a sudden become this big, heavy assignment. And it's just really, it's not that heavy. It's not that heavy. Your biggest obstacle is going to be your own soul. You're not going to feel like doing it. You're going to get a little twisted. You're going to get irritated. You're going to get, that's going to be your biggest obstacle. It's not going to be anybody else. It's not going to be anything. And it's going to be you saying, all right, God, you're going to rule here. That's going to be the biggest obstacle in this. And it happens when we allow Christ to shine on, <clears throat> shine from the inside out. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that we may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I love the message translation. It says, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a, night, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Matthew 20 says, Jesus called them together. And he's teaching them. This is one of the last pieces of the puzzle he gets, he, he's putting in them. And here where they're at, they're at the Last Supper. And Jesus called the disciples together. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served. Jesus didn't show up on the scene to draw big crowds so that everybody could elevate him to religious rock star status. That is not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to build groupies. Jesus didn't come to be world famous just to be world famous. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When he had finished, in John 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. He just washed his disciples' feet. Peter had a real hard time with it. He wasn't going to let him do it. And Jesus rebukes him. And then, of course, Peter, he's like one end to the other. He's like, okay, well, you weren't going to wash it. Now wash my whole body, Lord. He's like, "Ah, Peter, chill out. It's just a teaching exercise. Come on. 
I'm not bathing you here. You're missing the point. Let me wash your feet. And um, if I want, you know, it's 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 pretty funny in exchange, honestly. And um, and he says, "Do you do you understand what I have done for you?" He asked them. "You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do." As I have done to you. You know I've heard it said that. If it had not been the cross. Been the symbol for Christianity. That place where. Where our need for a savior was met. That our eternity shifted right there. If that had not been the symbol. For Christianity. Then an appropriate symbol for Christianity. Would have been us having a bunch of little wash basins. And little towels hanging around our necks and tattooed on our shoulders and 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 on our church bulletins and and just everywhere that that would have been it because jesus came to serve the cross is the greatest example of serving humanity that we've ever seen it is completely about serving and i want us to get this as we close down I want us to totally understand this, that serving is focused on moving forward. Serving is focused on forward. So many times we can hit the brakes and lock it down and think we can't do anything for God because we have to undo this boneheaded stuff we've done. Plows don't have rearview mirrors on them. Let's look at this. Luke 9 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, <clears throat> replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. God is not asking you to serve to work off a debt. I saved you from hell and now you better serve me, boy. That's not what he's doing. It's not... It's not any of these different things. It's not to try to elevate our place in heaven. It's not to try to do any of that. That's why Paul, over and over again, before he gets into us loving and serving one another, he reminds us of grace. He reminds us that we're free. He reminds us of this place. This is simply an expression of our true DNA. When we really begin to exhibit the fact that we really are believers, we really are our daddy's kids, then servanthood is just going to come flowing out. We just can't stop it. And we can't look back. If we look back, it'll slow us down. It'll stop us. It'll mess everything up. Mater's the only one that can drive great with going backwards. He's the only one. None of the rest of us can pull that off. He's a cartoon. And uh, we can't do it. We have to look forward. We have to stay completely headed forward. We can't let yesterday's bump stop us from, from showing the love of God today. We can't take yesterday's experiences or even, or even a whatever reputation we may have right now. You want to change your identity? Begin today. As time goes, the rest of it will fall off. Just serve and love, serve and love, and the rest of it, will, your identity will shift, it'll change. As you become new and alive and shifted in Christ. Philippians 3 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says he hadn't achieved it. He is pressing forward. He stayed in a forward thought pattern. He stayed. He didn't let any of the other stuff from past go. It it went whether I took opportunities or not, whether I made the right decisions or not. I've got new choices in front of me. Let's win with those. You've got fresh opportunities. Maybe at your office, with your coworkers. Maybe you don't have a real good good, uh, reputation. Maybe people don't like working with you. I don't know. Maybe they love you. I hope they do. But guess what? Who cares about yesterday? You start fresh. Start fresh tomorrow. Maybe your family's frustrated with you. Maybe y'all got in the car today frustrated and bickering and sharp at each other. Guess what? You spend the rest of the day loving on each other and being sweet and forgiving and moving past all that. It's serving. It just it, we just have to go expressing the love of God. We have to do it in a move forward kind of way. We are created to know God and to help others to know Him too. And God works through us in real acts of service to show His love to a hurting world. It's not just this this concept. It's not just ooh we we love people in thought. No, we have to. It's real acts of service. It really doing stuff really doing stuff this is what matters this is what changes things this is what's going to impact it the bible tells us that the world because guess what all they've got to see they don't have spiritual eyes they're dead they're dead in the spirit so guess what it says they know that we're christians by our love for one another by how we treat one another and how we treat others by what they see so it's no wonder that god would then change our outward and the way we deal with things on the outside to show others that he loves and he cares for them. That's what we do. And you know how this step one, how it gets going? You, first off, you have to be a child of God. It starts there. So we're going to make sure that opportunity, everybody has that opportunity to, to embrace that and said yes to that. So I appreciate it if everybody would kind of bow their heads, close their eyes, and we want to, we want to take this if you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor, I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I've, I've done this kind of.